said, yep, I remember seeing Duck in Cover. I thought maybe you were all too young to remember that. But in 1952, at the height of the Cold War, the government decided that we had to have something to do to make people feel safer, especially little children. We were worried that the Russians were going to drop a bomb on us at any time. And so the government came out with this little film called Duck and Cover, starring Bert the Turtle. And Bert the Turtle did what we must all learn to do, you and you and you and you. And that if there's an atomic explosion, you will be fine if you just duck and cover. That's all it takes. Well, maybe not. But it was important to make people feel safe. And you know, we, we laugh and we question the effectiveness of duck and cover in a nuclear attack. But the point is still there. In the moment of crisis, there is no time to think. There is only time to act. And you will act based on what you know is true. And if you know that you are in danger, you will panic. You will do wrong things. But if you remember what you've been trained to do, you will do the right thing. And you will find peace and safety in those moments. We still teach kids little songs like that. You know, this little song for dialing 911. If you need a policeman, call 911. If you need a fireman, 911. You know, we teach kids those kind of songs. Every time Connor and I go for a walk, we come to the corner, and I always remember, stop, look, and listen before you cross the street. You know, it's stuck with me all these years. I, I remember those songs, and we still do that. Even, even adults, we don't always have songs, but we have things that we do and training that we go through. Rick Wilson and I, years ago, we were on the fire department together, and I remember several trainings where all we did was put on and take off our air packs over and over again. And the hope was that in that moment when we needed those air packs, muscle memory would take over and we would simply respond to our training. Well, I think that's why we have psalms like Psalm 46 in our Bible. To prepare us for those moments when, when something happens. To prepare us for those moments when we really need to act and find peace instead of panicking. 
If you want to turn to page, if you're using those blue Bibles, it's on page 471, Psalm 46. It begins in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of of the Lord, how He has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, I read that psalm at just about every funeral that I do. That's one of the psalms I always go to. I always go back to Psalm 46 and read that. I think it's an important psalm to read in those times. This psalm speaks of destruction on a cosmic level. The, the earth is trembling. The mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. The, the waters are roaring and foaming. But in that moment of loss at a funeral, all you need to know is that your world is crumbling. That, that, that the things that you've held on to are falling apart. Your world is falling apart. And and you need to know, as painful as that hurt might be, there is a God who is greater. And when we trust Him, He brings peace. And this psalm reminds us that there are troubles in our world that we can't begin to comprehend. I, uh, I have one of those fancy Apple watches. You know, those things that's connected to the internet. It, it tells time, by the way. Uh, it also gives me the, the current temperature. It gives me the the uh, forecast, I can see the forecast on my watch. And just about any time of day, my watch will ding and it, it makes a little flick on my wrist. And I look down and, and there's a news alert. I was writing this sermon and, and my, my watch went off and I looked down and there was a news alert that we had shot down a drone, a, an Iranian drone that day. And, and then another time the, the watch will ding and I'll look down and there's been some kind of attack. Some, it's never good news. You know, it's never... Hey, there's a sale on burgers someplace. It's never stuff like that. It's, it's always bad news. That there's been an attack somewhere. There's been an explosion somewhere. There's been terrorism here or some horrible thing has happened there. It's always bad news all the time on my watch. And, and on any day, uh, it can happen over and over again. And it becomes overwhelming. What's North Korea doing? What's Russia doing? What are we doing? And the media just keeps dishing it out. I don't think they want to keep us informed. They want to keep us afraid, don't they? They want to keep us afraid. And yet, verse 2 says, we will not fear. We will not fear. But that's, that's what they want us to do. But it says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The image there is of cosmic destruction the world is shaking apart the world is falling apart creation is being undone and you realize it through reading that that if i'm not to be afraid when the earth is giving way 
then I shouldn't be afraid when my life seems to be giving away. If I'm not to be afraid when the whole world is falling apart, then when my own little world is falling apart, I shouldn't be afraid then either. You notice what those verses don't give us, though. Those verses don't give us the why. Mountains are trembling and shaking. Why are the mountains trembling and shaking? Well, it's probably global warming, right? No, it, it doesn't say that. It says the waters are roaring and foaming. Why? Because you did something bad. It, it doesn't say that. You, you never find a why. There are no whys in here. And let me tell you, you will never find a why. Very often when life is falling apart, we've got a tragedy, we've got some horrible loss, we've been through a really difficult time, our first question is why. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to someone I love? You'll never find a why that you're satisfied with. You'll never find a why and you'll say, well, that's good enough for me. You'll never find a why, but you will find the who. And the who is always there. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. One of the reasons why duck and cover was so ridiculous is it promised hope and safety in things that could not provide hope and safety. There's a scene a little later on in Duck and Cover where a man is in the park reading his newspaper and all of a sudden there's that bright flash and he ducks and covers. He hits the ground in the park and he covers himself up with newspaper because newspaper will protect you from an atomic blast. Just why when you go get a, you know, you, you go get an x-ray, the x-ray technician is wearing newspaper, right? So all of our, our bombers are coated with newspaper. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but all those aircraft carriers, they got newspaper. Nuclear submarines are covered in newspaper. They have to change it every now. No! It's ridiculous. That doesn't help. There's, there's no safety in that. But the promise here is no matter what you're facing, no matter how shaken your world is, there is a God who is greater. And when we can't find the whys, we can still find Him. Just because we're experiencing trouble... That doesn't mean that God isn't there. You notice the psalm doesn't begin with destruction. The psalm begins with hope. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is declared to be a refuge. If refuge was a place where when you were in trouble, if you were in trouble, the refuge had to take you in. You would be protected there. God is our strength. The word there means He is our stronghold. He is our fortress. You remember the hymn, A Mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And then he says, a very present help in trouble. And I love that phrase, a very present help in trouble. It means the minute you need him, he's there. He's never late. He's always there. The minute you need him, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. At that moment when you need Him, He's always there. Mark chapter 4, the disciples are in a boat. Remember? They're in a boat and a horrible storm blows up. These guys are fishermen. They're experienced fishermen. And they are terrified. The, the ship is going back and forth. Water is coming in. Where's Jesus? He's in the boat. <laughs> He's asleep at peace in the boat. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. They're chained up. They're singing songs of praise at midnight. All of a sudden, there's an earthquake. Where's Jesus? He's right there 
in the, in the cell with them. Revelation. There's a lot of stuff that's hard to understand from Revelation. A lot of stuff that we're never going to get right here. But there's one thing I want you to understand from the book of Revelation. The Apostle John was exiled to the island of Patmos. He was alone on that island. His friends were on the other side of the sea. There's a raging sea between John on this rock of Patmos and his friends. He's all alone. But where is Jesus? He's right there with him on that island. So when you're going through your storm, when you're going through your storm, where's Jesus? He's right there. It's so easy to think that God has abandoned us in those difficult times and we ask, where is God now? Where is Jesus in my pain? Where is Jesus in my hurt? Where is Jesus even in my anger? But in your, in your hurt and in your pain, it is easy to forget that He is a very present help in times of troubles. And at the moment you need Him, He is there. I was listening to a preacher a while back. And he was talking about his grandmother. His grandmother is one of these wonderful, godly old saints, kind of the kind of people that we've had here. You know, kind of those wonderful old grandmother types of saints. And in church every Sunday. And dedicated to her church, dedicated to her Lord. She lived on her own though at one time. And, and she had fallen. And the horrible thing that happened after his grandmother fell, she broke her hip. And she laid there on the kitchen floor for two or three days. No one knew that, no one had heard from her. No one knew that she had fallen. She laid there in her pain and agony for two or three days. They finally found her. Ambulance came. They took her to the hospital. She was dehydrated. They, they started getting fluids in her. They got her hip taken care of. And she was laying there in, uh, in her hospital bed. And, and this preacher went to visit his grandma. And he sat there and tried to comfort her and tried to encourage her. And finally, holding her hand, he said, Grandma, what was it like? being all alone for those days on that floor. And she stopped him and said, Jeff, I was never alone. The presence of Jesus was never more real to me than in those days. Now that's a wonderful thing. But let me tell you, that doesn't happen just on that floor. That happens after a lifetime of devotion, a lifetime of love, a lifetime of giving yourself to your Lord. But as you build that lifetime, you realize when we trust God's presence, He brings peace. When we trust His presence, He always brings peace. I asked a question a couple weeks ago on Facebook. What song gives you hope when everything seems hopeless? And I got some great responses. What song gives you hope when everything seems hopeless? A friend of mine, a fellow preacher, he said the, there's a hymn called His Grace Reaches Me, and it's a hymn I'm familiar with, and it is a beautiful and sinking sand he reaches me. Yeah, it's, this hymn goes on and on. One of the, one of the hymns that, that was mentioned over and over again, Gerald, victory in Jesus. That victory in Jesus gives people hope when everything seems hopeless. It is well with my soul. Great is thy faithfulness. One friend of mine commented on a song that I had never heard before. It was new to me. The song is called Arms That Hold the Universe. I'd recommend you listen to it sometime. Arms That Hold the Universe. It, it was new to me, but it fits with this psalm so well. It says, and the arms, this is the chorus, and the arms that hold the universe are holding you tonight. You can rest inside. It's gonna be all right. And the voice that calmed the raging sea is calling you his child. So be still and know he's in control. He will never let you go. Isn't that beautiful? And you hear the blessing of these songs is that they have the power 
to take your eyes and the ears off the hopelessness and find hope. Amy Crane shared a song of hers that she loves. The song is called, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again. And Amy said, I adore that song. I found it years after my initial pain, but I love it. I want to, listen to this, I want to memorize it so I can sing it whenever I need it. You hear that? I want to memorize it so I can sing it when I need it. It's so easy for us just to concentrate on the negative, to concentrate on those things that are overwhelming us. And those things are so obvious. The world around us just emphasizes the negative. Money is made off the negative. Power is gained off of the negative. But listen to what God says in verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. You hear that invitation? Come and see. Come and see what the Lord is doing. The world wants you to see the negative. The world wants to focus on pain and hurt and conflict. And too many times we give in. But God says, come and see what I'm doing. Reminds me of another song that was shared with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Now, how do you do that? Well, it takes effort. Like Amy mentioned, memorizing her song for the times when she needs it. It it takes something else, though. And it's seen here in the psalm. It's subtle, but if you look at the psalm, you you see this off to the side. You see that odd word that's over there to the side? It's repeated three times. You see it three times in this psalm. It's an odd little word. It's the word selah. You know, are you familiar with the word selah? Selah's sitting here. So thank you, selah, for being here. We're going we're gonna to use you as an illustration, I guess. It's the word selah. Now, we don't know what selah means, really. It's a Hebrew musical notation, and there are no ancient Hebrew musicians alive anymore to tell us exactly what selah means. But based on context, it occurs 71 times in the Psalms. And based on context, we think it means something like praise, But it also means something like peace or listen. Your parents probably use that a lot with you, don't they? Based on the context, Selah means something like this. Pause and calmly think about what you just heard. I should have named my kids that. That was such a good thing. Pause and calmly think about what you just heard. And the word occurs three times in this psalm, and it perfectly divides this psalm into three parts. The first part is all about the destruction. Uh, the world is, is crumbling. The, the waters are, are, are foaming and rising. The, the mountains are quaking and falling into the sea. And then the psalmist says, now calm down, slow down, and think about what you've just heard. The second part of the psalm reminds us that our hope of, of peace comes from God. It tells us that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. And then he tells us, now calm down. Think about what you've just heard. And then the last section of the psalm is the promise of personal peace that calls us to apply what we've just learned to our own danger, our own disasters, and to find His peace for ourselves 
And he says, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I love that phrase in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. There are a lot of words in Hebrew for be still. Some of them are polite. And they seem to say, silence please. Some of them are a little more aggressive and they say, shut up. This isn't either one of those words. This word, some of you have experienced this. you got two kids that are fighting, right? They're going at it. You grab them each by the scruff of the neck and you pull them apart, right? Now, you know they're not going to be quiet and you know they're still trying, but what you've got to say is cease and desist because what you're doing right now is not helping. That's this kind of be still. It doesn't mean be calm. It doesn't mean be quiet. It means stop doing what you're doing because it's not helping. And it's only when we cease our own frantic activity, our out-of-control activity, that we can begin to experience that God is acting for us. It's only when we are still that we can know that He is God. The final verse in the psalm confirms exactly who our God is. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He refers to God as the, as the Lord of hosts. That's an interesting title for God. It occurs in the Old Testament about 260 times. 61 times God is called the Lord of hosts. And it's a term that's only used when everything is, has gone bad, when all hope is lost, that's when God is referred to as the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sabaoth is how it's said in, in Hebrew. It means the God of armies. The God of armies. It's used 200 and some times. I think uh, Jeremiah uses it over 80 times in his book. The little book of Haggai, only four chapters long, I think it's used about 14 times through that book because all hope is lost in that little book. It's used in, by various people. David uses the title Lord of Hosts in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when little David is going up against big Goliath. And Goliath marches out there on the battlefield and he looks at David with his slingshot and his five rocks and Goliath laughs at him and says, am I a dog? that you come against me with sticks? And David looks back at his giant and he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And on this very day, I will cut your head off. <laughs> I will feed your carcass to the birds. And you will know that there is a God in Israel. You know, the first time the very first time that name, that title, Lord of Hosts, is used is in the first chapter of, second, of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's not used by a king or a conqueror or a warrior. It is used by a young lady named Hannah. 
And Hannah has a need. And she is in the temple, she's in the tabernacle, pouring her need out before God. Eli the priest hears her praying and, and he, he hears her weeping and praying and he thinks she's drunk because she's praying so, so hard and so improperly. But Hannah needs a baby. She needs a child to make her feel complete and make her feel like she is contributing to her society and to, to her world and, and to her God. And she prays for a child and she is the first person who uses that title, Lord of hosts, God of armies. What that tells me is, whatever it is that's troubling you, whatever it is that's come against you, whether it's Goliath size, maybe it's a Goliath size financial need, maybe it's a Goliath size health need, maybe you just got a, a, a diagnosis from the doctor and it's a Goliath. It is big. That the Lord of hosts is greater than that. Maybe it's one of those little needs, though. Maybe it's a need that's so small. You don't even know how to express it. And maybe your closest friends don't even know that you have that need. But the Lord of hosts is still bigger than that. And at that moment, when you think that your world will shake apart, there is this undercurrent of peace nurturing you, holding you together. And in the noise and disorder of the world around us, you're never going to hear that. So be still and know that He is God and He is with you. Let's stand together and pray. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Lord of hosts, there have been times when we have felt very afraid. We have been attacked by the Goliaths in our lives that seemed so huge that we couldn't confront them. And there have been times when we have been haunted by those little things that kept us from being who we wanted to be. And we confess in those times we took our eyes off of You and we only saw our problems. We forgot our refuge. We forgot our strength and we forgot our source of help. So give us eyes that look to You when our worlds are crumbling. Give us hearts that seek You when everything else gives way. Guide us to, a pl to place our hope in You because without You, we are hopeless. And in those darkest moments, please remind us that we are never alone. Just as Your Son took on our sin and our shame with Him in the on the cross, He also bore our rejection. And He bore our loneliness so that we might always have You with us. We thank You for that amazing gift. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.